check one, two, one, two. Yeah. And welcome everybody to uh, part two of the Sloan Escapades on Canada FM, the show that dives deep into Canadian bands that didn't find success. Blah, success. Outside of Canada. And, uh, well, last week we did the first six albums by the band Sloan. And we're going to do their most recent six. And I'm sure there's going to be more to come. And uh, I guess we can do off-topics on those as they come. You and me analyzing Sloan. If it turns into this kind of show by that point. Yeah. Well, it's... Um yeah, well, the first, we, we went from smeared to pretty together. And we're going to pick up at Action Packed. And, you know, I've been... I, you know how I always look for fun clips for the Instagram and all these things? Yeah. I, ca- I came across a, uh, a video of... It was right around the time that they had put out 12. Okay. And we'll get to that in a, probably an hour or so. But uh, they were getting a Lifetime Achievement Award at the East Coast Music Awards. Mm. And they're, they're like, we hate these things because it makes it... <laughs> Because, you know, and they have a good point because it makes it seem like they're going to get put out to pasture. I think that's what mm-hmm. Pat even says that when they're like, no, we're not slowing down. And, they, you know, they've done 12 albums, which is more than some bands have done in that same career span. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all it really hit me that I thought just because my musical taste changed and stuff and I wasn't really paying to attention to as much alt rock. You know, Sloan became an afterthought, which they're part of such like my early musical upbringing that I thought I was just like they were going to those albums were going to be weak. They just that train just picked up momentum and we're getting better and better as these albums rolled on. So uh, they are far from they are far from being put out to pasture. That's all I'll say. Yeah. And I will say this. It was definitely a surprise going through these back six. Uh, Just the how the evolution continued. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they didn't stop uh, or just kept just churning them out uh, just because they had to. Like there's they, they definitely still are, are still evolving as a band, which is um, something you don't see very often, especially with a band that's been around as long as Sloan. A um, couple of things I wanted to nitpick from the first episode. I didn't okay. call you out on the horse hockey you threw out there. When you talked about uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers being a singles-only band and not having any great albums, Blood Sugar Sex Magic <laughs> and Californication are two of the greatest albums of all time. Okay? So I will I, I, I call a pox on you, sir. Okay. Well, they lost me after uh, that bullshit snow heyo shit. I, I stopped paying attention. Whatever that, that song is called. Is that a stadium arc- arcadium? Yeah. It's that was a double they, album. They're a band that strikes me with a lot of chuffa, as we like to say. They just they like, for every great song, they have a. I love dubbas. Dubbas are so much fun. Fart noise. Oh, you look at you snob. Yeah, Pitchfork Media snob. Blood Sugar Sex Album is outstanding. Sex Album. Sex Magic is outstanding. And most of the Hubba Dubbas, as you like to call them, that's actually like their earlier releases pre-Mother's Milk. And I don't see anything wrong with them doing a callback to the early stuff. People love the funky stuff. I know I do. 
So I mean, if you're gonna yes, have funk, big time disagree, and I was mad at myself for not yelling at you in the last episode. If about you're that. gonna have funk, have funk, but like have actual lyrics that make sense. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> maybe, maybe one of these days in my free time when I'm not churning through all these other albums and stuff, I'll actually <laughs> go back and and give it another shot. Maybe I'll eat some crow. But for now, they're they're. Eh. You're not gonna have much free time. Although, you know, with what I got I, planned for season two, Brian, you're not gonna have much free time for that. We got I know, a lot of work to do. <laughs> you, we're supposed to keep that stuff a surprise. Just bleep yourself out here, like you cursed, okay? Fine. All right, even though on the show we curse all the time, I just noticed too on Spotify it's got the little expletive symbol beside our podcast. So I thought yeah. that was kind of funny. Well, I had to check that because they were oh, like, does okay. your podcast contain cursing? I was like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we curse quite a bit. Um, the other thing, too, I wanted to do was give a shout out to Jay Ferguson from Sloan, who has liked not one, but two of our Instagram posts <laughs> this week. So I, I just hope he listens and hopefully he likes what we have to say uh, about him and uh, the rest of the band. You know, before we dive back into Action Packed, yeah. I was, uh, I've been listening and pouring back over the albums and everything, and I was kind of pondering because you know everyone likes to peg these guys as a Beatles ripoff and all these other things, or it's a Beatles tribute act. But I was really trying to hone my senses as to uh, what other bands I picked up, and obviously, these—I think they're all big fans of the Rolling Stones, and uh, that makes you get sense. a lot of. You get a lot of bluesy. Plus, in the early days of Sloan, Jay looks like he has a Brian Jones haircut, but uh, I don't know if you've ever seen him. It's got that very mop look. It's yeah, very Brian I know, Jones. I know, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Um, but also, basically, I've noticed if you take The Birds, um, Big Star, Nick Lowe, uh, I know I've I've seen interviews with Pat where he's he cited the Stooges and the Buzzcocks, which put he tried to put later in like the Double Cross and Parallel we'll, Play, we'll but we'll get that. to those later. Yeah, we'll but I that. think if you if you take some of these bands and put them in a blender, and I also caught, have you ever heard that song by Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young? They're singing about a house like this song is a very fine yeah. house, very very yeah. fine house. Yeah, um, I I got that kind of vibe because the way they harmonize their their voices, yeah. I kind of got yeah, that yeah, yeah. as well. So, though, you, you some, I think they're what's that? Did you get some Beach Boys. Oh yeah, well yeah, I was gonna I was gonna get to the Beach. Oh, okay. we, we've talked oh, about well, the Beach Boys you before. How long on this <laughs> No no no, I just we've talked about the Beach Boys before, okay. so I think. I think I just those were some of the other kind of power pop type bands that aren't as often name checked that I think might have been an influence for these guys. So I think that it runs deep, and it's uh, that's why they're you can't. You know how fans get really pissy, like when we bought Smash Mouth when we were thirteen. I should I should, got, I should put it in there that this was the Astro Lounge album, not Fushu Mang. <laughs> yes, Fushu we Mang bought, was outstanding. We loved Fushu Mang, and then when they came back with Astro Lounge, we kind of got pissed because we didn't get another Fushu Mang. We were like, oh, these guys sold out. They went to pop. Da, da, da. Like, it was just kind of more adult contemporary. It wasn't the, the fun stuff that we, we expected. I feel like fans don't get that with Sloan because you can't peg down a Sloan record. So you can't be like, I'm mad that they didn't stick to one formula because they never stick to one formula. No album is like this next. In contradiction to what you said, though, 
I think Sloan does have a sound that is uniquely theirs that they've developed probably, I guess it would probably be on, on Twice Removed, it, it really started that Sloan sound um, that they've stayed true to relatively through the years. It's evolved, but well, that's what they've I meant. never abandoned what brought people to the table. No, they have a Sloan sound, but they never, like, they, they never churn out a dozen tracks that all sound the same, is what I'm yes, saying. Yes, okay, and, like, no, that's they, a good point. Yeah, that's yeah. all I meant. Yeah, okay, no, no, no I, I, I'm right with you there on that one. All right, well, well let's let's start uh, where we left off. Uh, was their album, come on, Ted, Pretty Together, uh, which, of course, it had The Other Man, it had If It Feels Good, Do It On It, and uh, I think you and me were both kind of the same. You know, this is a good album, but it's not as good as maybe Navy Blues or Twice Removed or some of the stuff that came before it. Our standard for Sloan has become very, very high at this point. Now, yeah, and it's uh, the, it's hard to match that those expectations sometimes. And we're also getting into we're in the early to mid aughts right now, I, I guess you would say. So, uh, yeah, maybe like 2003 about and uh, Sloan to this point has put out six albums. They've got seven Juno nominations, only one win, the bastards mass critical acclaim. So it was at this point with Action Packed that they decided that they were going to try to make an effort to break into the U.S. market. They were actually going to try. So they, for the first time since, I believe, Smeared, they recruited a producer, a fellow by the name of Tom Rothrock, who uh, had drawn attention uh, for the work that he'd done with Beck. He produced Odelay with Be- for Beck and the first Foo Fighters record. So this guy had some big hits on his track record, and uh, they actually recorded this album in uh, Los Angeles. So they're surrounding themselves with American culture. There was one major gripe, though, that fans had with this album. And we'll, we won't, we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit when we... I'll talk about it now. The biggest gripe among fans to this day with Action Packed is it doesn't feature a single Andrew Scott song. I did notice that. Yeah. There's a reason behind that. A lot of people blame Tom Rothrock. He said, hey, I just took what they gave me and I got like the best 12. You know what I mean? I just took what I thought were the best songs and put them in there. And his didn't happen to be any of them. He actually didn't submit anything. He had just become a dad. And at that time, it was easier for him just to play the drums. Okay. So, yeah, he's just like, I got as much as I love to write. I got bigger fish to fry. I got diapers to change. You guys do it. I'll bang on the kit. Exactly. It's, it, it was either basically tag me out of this album, bring in somebody else, or just let me do the bare minimum here. And so, yeah. and you know what? That happens from time to time. Kudos to him. He got his priorities in order. So I think the fans are a little bit more forgiving now that they've heard that straight from Andrew Scott's mouth instead of some producer going, hey, he didn't make the cut. I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah, some douchebag big time in him or something. What I thought was cool about this album is that even though this album was their declaration, we are here, America, accept us, uh, it's got so many Canadian ties to it. Um, the title is a song by a, is by a fellow Halifax band known as Jellyfish Babies. They had a song called Youth Action Pact. I should note that Pact is spelled P-A-C-T. And the lead singer, single from this album, is unabashedly Canadian. 
Yeah, the rest this of is my about as... Sorry. Continue. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I was about to jump in big and I didn't leave you the... Okay. Go ahead, buddy. Go ahead. Uh... I mean, aside from their one song called The NS Off Between the Bridges, they don't get too Canadian because they've, they, they've left themselves a lot of wiggle room for... Uh, I mean, they have one song on Double Cross called Something of Montreal, but uh, everything prior, very universal. Very... Uh, everything kind of easily... Americans, Australians could all, you know, relate. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yes, this the rest of my life is just... This is for us, by us. Basically, FUBU was big at the time, so... Yeah. <laughs> Why not a Canadian version of FUBU? Um, uh, it contains that lyric, One thing I know about the rest of my life is I know that I'll be living it in Canada. One thing I know about the rest of my life I know that I'll be living it in Canada And uh, while that song had a ton of airplay up here just didn't find its way to American audiences, which is, which is a shame, because not only it's a great song, but w much like The Other Man, uh, it's something that you can really, really relate to, especially when you're like our age and you're in your mid-30s, you know? Like, I'm about to become a dad. The next chapter of my life is about to begin. I'm gonna have to settle down, you know what I mean? No more getting hammered and staying out until 3 a.m. Not that I do that now anyway. But you know what I mean? Like, it's a major change is coming, and everybody goes through major changes in their lives. Well, that that song came out right at the perfect time when we graduated high school. Yeah. And I knew I, knew I was going to be going to college at some point. And, like, at the time, I think I put it in my stupid yearbook that I, was, I wanted to be in Hollywood and try to work as a director. Boy, did I really... Sh uh, Shooting the in the dirt on that one, but uh, to, to be fair, did, to be fair, did, you didn't know what we didn't know what a podcast was in two thousand three. To be fair, no, I don't even think they existed. But also, um, where's I going with this? Yeah, I honestly thought there was a period where I would actually be in the states and leave Canada in the dust, and uh, <laughs> now I know. Barring, I mean, unless I something what happens to me happens to our good friend Brent, and he 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 fell in love and is now living in Jacksonville, yeah. and he's happy. And unless he loves something like the that, podcast random, too. Listens to every we episode. Love you, Brent. <laughs> um, unless something like that happens to me, I'll probably be living the rest of my life up here, and I'm okay with that now. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Uh, it, it, but it's, it's that journey through life that everyone can relate to. And uh, it, it, that's kind of what Sloan has found a good niche of doing. Even though it didn't make a dent in the U.S. like their boys had hoped. And it didn't earn them really much of a new audience. Uh, Action packed, once again, very well received. Uh, Brian, if there's one thing I'm going to stop doing for the rest of my life, it's reading Pitchfork reviews. <laughs> Especially for Sloan albums, because they just get me mad. Um let me, let me ask you before yeah. before you do the the what the reviews were and everything. Okay. Was Gimme that not a single? Gimme I, I I don't know, Brian, because I didn't dwell too much on singles for this album. You want to talk about Gimme okay. that? Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Talk about Gimme that, and then we'll get into this benchmark review. You got it.
Okay, well, in the in the first album, or the, sorry, the first episode, we talk about how Sloan really knows how to open an album. Yes. This song is an amazing opener. It's a punch in the mouth. It's very catchy, and it's it very well could have been a single in the States. Not to mention, I'm pretty sure they take a shot at Nickelback, because they're like, give me that Nickelback. So take it. Now, I don't know if that's it's literally they're talking about. I don't know if they're talking about change, if it's literally like, uh, give me my change or something. Because, I mean, I was going through Juno Awards uh, the last this morning, and I was like, the Nickelback, just the whole 2000s, the Junos were recycling the exact same bands. It was so boring, and it sucks. Well, because the Junos kind of became, you're not so much honoring the best of Canadian music. Uh, their definition of the best of Canadian music is what can get beyond Canada and excel internationally. And I don't know yeah, if that's still like that, contest. but it, it, yeah, it went through that period where it was more about selling records across the globe than it was being received by your peers. Well, in the uh, aughts, it became a uh, it became a still a popularity contest, but what was popular also was critically acclaimed. Like you get things like uh, Arcade Fire, who yeah. were hip. But also, you know, critical darlings on your your pitchfork and all that shit. So they they probably swept the Genos in the yachts. But anyway, you oh, we'll go back get to, to your that. pitchfork shit. I think that's <laughs> gonna be like a T-shirt if we ever sell merch. Just saying, we'll get to that. I don't know. I seem to say that a lot on this show. <laughs> yes. I think I've, I've I've joked with you that like we're, we always have to cycle back. Like Biden's press secretary, that's her catchphrase. We're gonna cycle back to that. Well, we're dealing with our limitations of us being on two different screens here and the fact that, you know, when you and me go out many times, we will both continually talk in a stream <laughs> at each other without interruption to let the other person in. Um, it's like it's double how, dutch. how we do it. Yeah. And I, I interrupt you all the time on this. I, I That's kind of uh, it's something I want to work on. But uh, it's, it's hard to get visual cues when, uh, you know, we're, we're doing with what we're doing. Anyway, it's all good. On to this particular pitchfork review that stood mm-hmm. out to me. And what's kind of funny about this review is it isn't even a negative review. They liked it, but it still manages what I felt to kind of take a giant shit on her boy still. It referred to Action Packed as being nothing more than comfort food and said that Sloan is a 7 out of 10, but they're a 10 out of 10 at being a 7 out of 10. The uh, reviewer then gave this album a 6. <laughs> now, to quote to quote the show we love so much, well, we did, Community, that's very much like a complisalt, half compliment Heart part insult. Yeah, yeah, because he called it comfort food, and he's like, well, who doesn't love comfort food? And I'm like, yeah, I know, but come on. You know, he, he, the guy puts out an album where the first track is 20 minutes of feedback from his amplifier, and he give it 10 out of 10. Give this <laughs> stuff that actually sounds like music some decent reviews. You know what the saddest thing about that review was, Brian? What's that? kind of know what he's talking about. I was thinking about that while you were talking because I, and I was thinking about it this morning. Like I, I still haven't worked out today. I'll probably do a late workout tonight in the park just because oh, gyms are still Ryan's closed. in shape there. Ladies, you know where to find him in the park tonight. 
it. Why, it's, I'm, you make it sound like I'm some creep exposing myself I, in the I park. I don't know. I'm picturing you in the park. Uh, let's see. I imagine you're that guy because Brian's a bit, of, a bit of a hipster. I'm thinking you wear those uh, gym socks up to your knees. Kind of no, do the uh, uh, no. Michael Sarah look from uh, Juno. When no, you go I out hate there. those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you get no, your neon that's, that's green enough. headband on with your flopping hair in the wind. Um, <laughs> I can see you stretching for like a half an hour, and then you start no. your workout. Maybe you run a little bit, and you go. Ah, that's enough for the day. That's enough for the day. <laughs> and you're all done. I mean, you're not you're not wrong with the running, but everything else you're uh, you're you're far off, far off the mark. <laughs> I wear I wear short socks. They're white socks, no neon, and I actually don't stretch at all. It's very dangerous. Like That's it easily terrible. pulls on <laughs> Especially since you have such bad knees and feet. But no, the the I got bad everything. Jesus. Um, but I'm working on it. But anyway, I want to. I'll probably end up if it's not too humid or if it doesn't rain tonight. Um, I want to. I'll probably go to the park to do some exercises where we have some workout space. Anyway, Action Packed, it's fitting that it's called Action Packed because it is an album that's a lot of strong songs, but there's just, in terms of like the Sloan catalog, aside from Rest of My Life, or maybe Gimme That, it's yeah. not something I could see them playing live. Um, but they're they're all strong songs to like work out to. They're all high energy. They're fun. Uh, and so they're, I can see why he calls it comfort food. And I have to say, I like this album better than uh, Pretty Together. Um, uh-huh. But, and spoiler warning, they wouldn't keep doing this. At this point, it sort of felt to me, when I was listening through from start to finish, that Sloan may have been out of tricks up their sleeves. And that they didn't have any other way to surprise us. It kind of felt like the same old, same old. At this point, when I was listening to it through... Granted, I would think about to say. more albums, but that's kind of the vibe I got after uh, listening to Action Packed. Anyway, the boys took a little time for themselves after the release of Action Packed. Uh, kind of just to stall for time, they released their first compilation album in 2005, A-Sides Win Again, Singles, which... I have. That was the big Sloan album I owned. Um, <laughs> we usually don't talk about compilation albums, but this one does contain two brand new songs. Uh, Try to Make It. And uh, also you have All Used Up, which is a great little song with a funny video, if you ever get to see it. I think Pat pulls up with like a fancy sports car, and he's wearing like his big fur coat. And he gets out, and I think it's Chris, <laughs> and he's like, hey, don't scratch it. <laughs> he just takes the car for a joyride while the band plays All Used Up, and that's the video. Huh. It's, it's all, pretty so simple, it's but it's like, funny. It's like Nookie. Uh, Roland. Or, sorry, Roland, yeah. Roland, yeah. Roland was, it was, it was like that, except it's like kind of like a little sports car. He doesn't take it through the city and get a bunch of babes. He kind of pulls the John Wick and just kind of drives it around a runway at an airport. <laughs> but <laughs> still, it's a good little video. Um, Now, later that year in 2005, Chris and Jay gave the world of broadcasting a try as they'd host a weekend show on CBC Radio 3. And uh, Patrick Pentland also started his own thing. He released Chillwave Electronica Music. He released it on his website. And I love this. So he does this calm, peaceful, tranquil, get you to sleep kind of music. Released it under the name Destroy Tomorrow 666. That's nice. 
least peaceful name you can think of. That literally looks like the leftover MySpace account from the guy from Columbine. Oh, wait, you, you looked it up? No, no, I'm saying that's what it sounds like. Oh, like destroy okay. tomorrow six six six. That sounds like some sort of username some like Columbine shooter would have, or something. Yeah. This episode just took a grim turn. I'm just saying, who has a handle like that? <laughs> I think it was the joke that he had such a demonic name, but he was doing these like really peaceful. Yeah, it's for juxtaposition of the music. I got like it. That. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of I a got play it. on things. Jeez, he had to go to a, like the deadliest mass shooting in America there. Brian, you okay? You want to talk? <laughs> anyway, I'm fine. Um, also during this time, and he, he's our guy right now because he, he liked all of our stuff on Instagram, Jay Ferguson was the subject of an entire album's worth of songs called Songs in the Key of J by Halifax singer uh, Mary Cobham. Uh, with it, uh, it, it was a standing tribute, that whole album, uh, for her long-standing crush on him. So my question to you is, who's the most handsome member of Sloan? Um, let me pull up a quick picture. I'm actually going to give some give honest you, thought about this. All right, I'll give you my picks. I think in the 90s, I would have gone Chris Murphy because he yeah. totally had the That 70s Show look about him. But I'd say yeah. now, nowadays, it'd be Andrew Scott. He's taking care of himself and he looks good. The Silver Fox look. Oh, yeah. No, he looks damn good. I mean, also, looking at, like, some of these pictures, I mean, like, this one, this one, uh, it's just, if Pat cut his damn hair and the beard, you'd be fine. <laughs> he kind of has a Rick Rubin thing going on right now, yeah. doesn't he? <laughs> Yeah, but like, Jay still looks very youthful. So does Chris. They all look good, but I think I, I'll, I'll give it up for Andrew Scott. He does have the Silver Fox look going, but like Jay and Chris still, I think, have all their natural hair color. I don't think anything's They've still got their going. youth. They've still got yeah, their youth. So. Absolutely. I, th I think it's because they've been such a no-nonsense band that like I'm sure after shows they probably have the occasional drink or something like that, but the, the tomfoolery is to a minimum. So they're, they're not these weary road warriors who just looks like... You know, like look at our friends, right? Campbell looks okay. like... Uh, <laughs> You're going to have to put a picture of our group of friends on Instagram for people to know what you're talking about. Talking about I, this guy. <laughs> Okay, I'm describing it, all right? Okay, all right, and go eventually, ahead. Eventually, I will po post photos of both of us. Like, okay, you look pretty similar to what you did when you were, like, 20. I'm even wearing my Fred Sanford shirt right now that I've had since, uh, since I think I was 20. Yeah, so there you go. You look pretty similar. I think you just, uh, you know, the Widow's Peak's coming through strong. The You're holding on to the, the, the small amounts of hair. <laughs> And uh, the you it's know crow's feet. And all, I know. I'm just you're I, you're very self conscious, so I'm uh, shining a big old light on it He's to make you mad. That's what you're doing. Yeah, but like you look fine. I have like the graying temples, like um, like who's his face? Reed Richards. Reed Richards. But I look still pretty young, all things considered. I, I was blessed with the baby face. 
Brandon's aged the best because he literally has like a few gray hairs on his temples. But then you look like Campbell, who looks like he was run over by a carpet shampooer. Like he age has just beat him down with a stick. Like he's balding, and he's just his face looks weathered like an old mitt, and he just. And that's he drank the most, and he smoked, and you know time took his toll. <laughs> so well, I think it looks like he got run over by a carpet shampooer. Out of all the things, yeah. a carpet. So what? He he he's he's flat and clean. Is that what you're trying no. to say? Damp. <laughs> <laughs> he's always sweaty, but <laughs> so that's why because he's sweaty. Okay. Uh. <laughs> just I've never heard that expression before. You look like you got run over by a carpet shampoo. Someone said that to me. I would go, thank you. His face looks look transformed. Clean? His face looks transformed. It went from... By all that hot water and soap. It melted it, huh? <laughs> all the bristles just... <laughs> it's warped. Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, I fine. Know, I, I'm gonna have to try to find a time to work that into everyday conversation. <laughs> you look like you got run over by a carpet shampoo. All right, Ted. Let's let's try take two. His face looks like it was run over by a Mack truck. How's that? I like carpet shampoo better. It's more original. Well, not only that, it's just like what does that even mean? It can mean whatever you want. Well, a Mack truck. If he got ran over by a Mack truck, his face would look terrible. It'd be ripped apart by the wheels. That makes sense. <laughs> You know how big carpet shampoos are? They're not that big. <laughs> you run right over you. Like, but you don't know what someone's face would actually look like if I ran it over with a carpet shampoo. It could look, it could look mangled. It could look clean. You don't know what. The touche, touche. I suppose. I'm just gonna cut half of right. this out. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Either way. Um, so they did their little side projects, and uh, they got back into the studio in 2006 um, and signed a new record deal with Yep Rock Records. And that year, they released their most ambitious album to date, the 30-song Never Hear the End of It. Um, most of the songs on this album, they crammed it into one disc. Most of them are between one and three tracks in length, so you're, you're not. It's it's not too exhaustive. If that's you mean what, uh, one and one to three minutes. What did I say? One to three tracks. I am not having. Okay, I wish I could show this on 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 the Instagram. So the printer I printed this out on, as you can tell, I made some mistakes tonight. It um, <laughs> the rollers were all messed up down the middle. So the middle of my page, yeah, the middle of my page, as you can see, Brian, it's all kind of messed up right there. So I'm trying to read this thing. At first, thing. when you said rollers, I'm like, what is this, those 90s ones where you have the, those holes on the, on the side of each where you have to take off those holes? No, but there's you know, still those old rollers to, ro- to roll the paper through, I believe. Anyway, there's Not some you kind have of like issue with it. So I've been having trouble. Printer. I've been having trouble reading it, as you can see. There's an issue. There's an issue with the printer at work. Don't tell anybody I printed this off. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so I'm having a hard time reading this. So just bear with me. I don't know how I was able to do it the uh, the first time through. All right. So never hear the end of it. 30 songs, one disc. The thing got overwhelmingly positive reviews. It actually became uh, Sloan's first album to chart in the U.S. 
um, reached number 48 on the Billboard Heat Seekers charts. Because, of course, Underwhelmed was their first song to chart in the U.S., but uh, Smeared didn't chart. Just the single did. So this is the first full-fledged right. album to make it on the charts. And as we talked in the Moffitts episode, uh, the Heat Seeker chart is kind of reserved for bands on the rise that um, haven't really left their footprint on uh, the main uh, the main listing. And I think I mentioned to you, like, the Tragically Hip were on the Heat Seeker charts like 11 times. So it's kind of the home for a lot of Canadian bands. <laughs> this album was fantastic. 70 or one, one hour, 16 minutes. So it's 76 minutes. Very, very long, very ambitious. I don't know if this was a... Uh, a lot of leftover tracks from maybe other ones, but uh, or if they actually just sat there in a room for several months just writing this many song, thirty tracks, but yeah, it was. It was. Oh, sorry, I thought you. <laughs> <laughs> I know you said it was, and they sat there with your mouth open, and I, I at was... first I thought my computer stalled, <laughs> uh, but then nothing came out of your mouth, and then you started looking at me, and I was like, "Come on, Brian, yeah, case the stage." <laughs> this right. was I can. I could see why this is the first one. Well, not not the first one. They all should have charted, but because uh, they're all that good. But this was the first one to really have something for everyone. Like you get a couple of tracks on here that are like toe the line of punk. Uh, you got some jazzy ones. You got the baroque. I think Jay likes his baroque music. Um, and yeah, there's just there's so much going on with this album. I can see why I get so much praise. You can really see, and this is kind of the my little tirade about the different influences. You can see a lot of different things filtering through on this album. Yeah, this album really really made me eat my words that I said on Action Packed, or I thought they might have been out of tricks. I, this album blew me away. I thought it was outstanding. Um, it's in the running for um, my favorite Sloan album. It really is. Would I you... haven't made a definitive decision. I got it between three. And I'll tell you before the end of this uh cast which those three are for my favorite Sloan album but this is up there this was outstanding um now I know you're following along with uh, shout out to our boy Josh Adam Myers and Morty Coyle at the 500 podcast did you get to listen to the their uh, episode about uh 69 love songs by Magnetic Fields I did but I didn't have the album to go along with it at the time so I need to I want to go back and like re-listen to it and kind of actually do like track comparisons this but. album reminds me so much of that album Granted, it's 30 okay. tracks, not 69, but the idea, sure. keep them short, try a bunch of different genres of music, and try a bunch of different themes. And that's what Sloan did there, and I think that they executed it uh, to perfection. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know how many, remember we talked about that list with uh, Maestro and, uh, uh, what's it called? We, we're going to put the two Maestro albums on there and the first Philosopher Kings album on that list. You remember that? And uh, Cognac and Bologna by Doug of the Slugs, like our list of the greatest Canadian albums. Yeah. Yeah, my, this 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 might be my Sloan takeaway. I don't know yet. There's okay. definitely going to be a couple of Sloan, but this is in the running. It was outstanding. Um, how to, uh, oh, I, I did some uh, did some Brian notes here. Uh, who taught you to try to live like that? Outstanding, awesome uh, opening track. Um, I'll place trust. Ill place trust. There you go. Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> that was great. Ill place trust. Promises rust. Ill place trust. Ill place trust. 
Um, I've got to try. Those are the three singles. Go behind me in line. They're gonna try all the things in their lives that they never try. And um, the opening track and Flying High Again were used on uh, America's Funniest Home Videos in a montage <laughs> about hang gliding accidents. So we'll try to find that and get that on Instagram because who doesn't like a good old-fashioned hang gliding accident? <laughs> um, there's some songs that I really loved. I loved Blackout. Um, I loved... Um, what was it? It's near the end. It was... Oh, I loved Light Years and I loved Last Time in Love because the... It felt very relatable, just because I'm still searching, just like Chris was yeah. doing that song. Yeah. So I, was, uh, yeah. I thought those were fantastic. And would you say, I mean, I know it's hard to compare these things because of the, it's kind of apples to oranges because of the style. Would you say this was their pet sounds or their Sgt. Pepper in terms of like ambitiousness and kind of like really like going off the deep end a little bit in a good way? No, no. Okay. Um, it was ambitious and it was something different and it did inject um, for me that necessary extra punch when you've got all those albums that are so good and then you fall into a pattern mm. where you're starting to get it's starting to become predictable to really shake it up and really get back on the map and in people's good graces I thought it did its job phenomenally um, sure that album's still to come that album is still okay. to come okay okay all right um Oh, and my final note here was it's albums like this why we do the show. Mm-hmm. I was that impressed by this. Yeah. Uh, 2008 saw Sloan transition from the longest album in their catalog to the shortest with Parallel Play, which clocks in at just under 40 minutes. I believe it has been superseded by this point, and they put out one that was a couple minutes shorter than Parallel Play. Uh, three singles came from this, including Believe in Me, which is awesome. If you I'm not a kid anymore, and which is wand. Should also be noted that the song The Other Side was featured on an episode of uh, Castle. That's the uh, Nathan Fillion one, right? Yeah. Okay, that's Castle. Uh, <laughs> like most slow albums, Parallel Play uh, was met again. Widespread praise. Even those jerks at Pitchfork gave their favorite 7 out of 10 band a 7.6 out of 10. It also earned Sloan another Juno album for, uh, excuse me, nomination for Rock Album of the Year. They lost this one to Love at the End of the World by Sam Roberts, who's a guy we'll probably get into at some point. I loved Parallel Play because I remember 2008 when Believe in Me was all over the radio and I was like, yeah. this is good. I felt like Slow never left because I certainly left them for a little while. But yeah. uh, um, but I didn't expect uh, some really great songs off this. I oh, love right. I cheap- kept notes on this too. Let's see if we have the same ones. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. All right, you, okay. go, you go first. I'll, I'll, I'll chime in to see if that's on my list. I loved uh, Cheap Champagne. Okay, not on my list. I re- and I well, obviously, I like the singles, and uh, I re- I really like Down in the Basement. As yes, well. that's on my list because it sounds like <laughs> Bob Dylan and the band. Way down, way far underground, we got 
Yeah, that was that yeah. was like a uh, just one of those ranty Dylan ones. I thought it was really great. And that's an Andrew Scott one, right? I think it is. Let me double check. Yeah, you'll notice on the next couple, the Scott songs have a bit of a Dylan vibe to them. Well, the other ones I had on there, Brian. Yeah, keep going. That you failed to mention were Emergency 911, which clearly showcases uh, their punk influences, as also yeah. Too Many, which I couldn't believe you didn't mention Too Many, which was totally a ska reggae delight. I was looking at Too Many. I was like, uh, I was like, should I add that? Uh, yeah, that was that was a good one. Then both of those, uh, Down in the Basement and Too Many, Andrew Scott songs. You're right. Oh, there you go. Too Many was Andrew Scott? So was Emergency 911. I was like, oh, they're all my favorite ones. <laughs> Andrew Scott ones on this. I thought the Secret Too Many Weapon was, is uh, back. Well, I thought Too Many was uh, Patrick because I know he was born in, Jam- not born in Jamaica, but raised in Jamaica. And it kind of sounded like him singing. And I wasn't really paying too much attention to the liner notes when I was listening to it. And it sounded like his voice. I didn't realize that. Well, what a coincidence. All my favorites are uh, Andrew Scott songs. Uh, also, Mr. References, which you like to, ah, they're insp- inspired by this, you with your keen ear. Did you detect any Weezer and Black Keys influences on this album? I did, and yeah. even like the drumming. I was thinking about that in the uh, in the drumming on "Believe in Me" because I think that was 2008. I think was before Al Camino and all those, but I think that might have been Thick Freakness or Bro. I don't know. One of the Black Keys albums came out around that time, and that's that very Pat Carney kind of drumming. That like a boom, 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 yeah, boom, yeah, very, that bouncy. very bouncy drumming. Yeah, yeah, almost kind of like History of Rock and Roll. Da, na, 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 na. Hey. Kind of reminds me of that. Um, okay, what'd you like better? Never hear the end of it or parallel play? What was better for you? Um, that's I apples and oranges. Yeah? It's, I liked apple. or sorry, I, not apples. Um, I like, I like parallel play only because it's high energy punch in the mouth, 30 minutes gets you out. And because I'm, I'm like, you, you know, I'm a big punk guy. Their albums yep. aren't very long. And so it's like, it appealed to the younger Brian a little bit more. But, uh, I mean, I have tremendous respect for the other album as well. But uh, in terms of, like, I think if I was, you know, exercising or driving, I'd probably listen to Parallel Play. But if I just wanted to, like, relax and actually if I was, like, reading, which I do sometimes, I'd probably put on the other one. I'm having a hard time, to be honest, trying to pick between the two of them and Navy Blues and Between Borders as which one's my favorite. So I'm stuck. It's irrelevant because my favorite one's coming up. So. Oh, there we go. Okay. Uh, but anyhow, those are my four favorite Sloan albums. And uh, I just, I don't know where. I kind of view them in two chunks, too. Like, never yeah. hear the end of it in parallel play or one album. And then Navy Blues and Between Borders. It's Between Borders, right? Sorry. Bridges. Bridges. Between Bridges. Between the Bridges, yes. Between the Bridges. Okay. I kind of view those as one album, too. It's weird. Uh, I, I kind of view them uh, separately a little bit, so don't know why. Got them grouped together. Uh, where am I here? Oh, okay. Over the next couple of years, Sloan would put a heavy focus on releasing material online, which included the EP Hit and Run, which uh, name came from the fact that Chris Murphy broke his collarbone in a hit and run in Toronto when he was riding his bicycle. So... He decided, big moment in my life, I'll name an EP after that. I feel bad for him, but sometimes those 
bikers and pedestrians in Toronto think they own the road and they had it coming. I want to make a point here. While my brother might pat you on the back for your anti-share-the-road beliefs, I will say, as someone who, when I was training for that bike race that I did in Perry Sound, um, how many times I almost got hit by a car by people doing illegal moves on the road around cyclists. All right? There needs to be a level of respect. I agree. Cyclists can't get too willy-nilly in the streets, but at the same time, drivers need to be aware and be cautious. I'll say this though, the it's different because you. I feel like being up in Perry Sound, you were probably uh, practicing biking more on the outskirts, like the country roads, almost. I yeah, feel like well, you were around was, the city. It was kind of a highway. Yeah, and that's fine because oh, it's you're. That's what I was assuming because yeah. you know it's it's more you spread out and the 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 motorists can go around in the city. I gotta like watch out if I'm like parallel parked or something. I gotta watch for some yo-yo. Not to mention, you're supposed to be able to keep up with the flow of traffic if you're gonna ride in the middle of the road. And I'm like literally, I almost clipped this guy's uh, wheel once because he was going so slow. I'm like, get the fuck out of the way! <laughs> finally, he like he buggers off to the side of the road. But yeah, these people like we have uh, laws as motorists that we have to obey by for people on bikes it's the wild west i've seen people not stop at crosswalks not wait for a light if you're supposed to be on the road you're supposed to adhere to the same rules i see these people just bebop and scat all over the place think they own the shit well, and then yeah. i have like there's so many times i want to just i'd see them coming i just want to door them and just flip it open and let them watch them flip over top but apparently in windsor i don't know if it's the same everywhere but when i was living in windsor they specifically had signs that if you door bikers you get a fine it's like a municipal fine I don't know if that's the same everywhere, but... Well, how hard is it to see out of, the, <laughs> out of your side mirror before you open your door? Do you do that well, with how the, hard there's a car it? coming? No, but that is a hilarious gag, sight gag in a lot of t- movies. You see that where they <laughs> open the door and it gets knocked out. <laughs> yeah. You gotta be careful! But I, I am careful. But what I'm saying is we have to be careful, but they can also see my door coming from a good 10 feet away if they slow down. Well, where are they gonna but, go? Though? But, okay... Yes, I see your point. You can always slow down. But there's certain situations. You're going uphill. You can't really slow down. You're going pretty slow anyway if you're going uphill. But you can't really slow down. And there are reckless bikers. I totally agree. But there needs to be some level of awareness of the people on the street, which there isn't always with that attitude. Like, hey, fuck face. (laughs) Watch where you're going. I'm mainly talking about... In the like the downtown core of cities where things are already pretty tight, that yeah. like you should be able to manipulate it a little bit better. But that's when it's, they just turn into animals. Like country roads and all these other things all yield to the bikes and everything like that. I'll give that to you. We we share the road; it's no problem. Um, but in the city, they're animals, and they they deserve to get clipped every once in a while. Well, I feel you, bad you know for Chris what? Maybe so, maybe so, maybe someone needs to uh, do something about the cost of living in Toronto, so people can afford cars and public transportation, and they don't have to ride their bike everywhere. But that's yeah. the other thing too. Skirting the issue. That's, that's the other thing too. Most cities have gone out of their way to add extra bike lanes and stuff for the specific yeah. reason not to happen. But this is the problem when they start jumping. Uh, when they start running reds or thinking, ah, these rules apply to motorists, not to me. And that's when they try to get too skippy with it. And then that's when they get clipped. Okay, not every cyclist is Joseph Gordon-Levitt in Premium Rush. (laughs) 
Okay, that's what you're thinking there. They're on a big rush to deliver a package. They'll take their bike seat in with them when they go and deliver it too. <laughs> anyway, did I tell you what? like two weeks ago? I almost got into an accident with some yo-yo. This wasn't a guy on a bike. It was, this is just uh, some idiot that doesn't know how the law works. And he, when you're parked on the side of a city street and you're pulling out, you don't have the right of way. So he almost hit me and I swerved into the other lane. Luckily, no one was coming in and I slammed mm. on the brakes. I literally was like, it was parallel. Like I came so close to like clipping this guy's uh, front wheel and he starts giving me this like tap in his brain. Like, what are you thinking? I rolled down my window. I let him fucking have it. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? He's like, you're not paying attention. He's like, I turned my shoulder and I had to clear and then you came out of nowhere. I'm like, I was driving down the whole fucking street. I have the right of way, you fucking moron. And he's just like, he's like, well, it's a good thing you didn't hit me. I'm like, it would have been on you, you fucking idiot. And then I asked my dad later because he was an insurance adjuster. He's like, yeah, yeah you totally had the right away he would have he would have like that if that accident had happened it would not have been on my record it would have been his fault uh, i would have been well, a no how fault did the, how did how did it resolve did you just drive off or yeah he uh he's like oh, okay. he just rolled he up his like window. jaw jackal he get out of the car and chest bump and no no like he, an uh, he was a manager I think he was worked up, and he was just like, well, you didn't hit me, so it's fine, and he rolled up his window, and then he oh, actually, yeah. like, I don't know if he, if he literally lived up the street, but uh, he, we both drove, like, awkwardly behind each other, and then he pulled off into, like, uh, someone's driveway. I think he had to collect himself for a minute, but... Uh, oh, probably, you probably thought you were following him. No, Did I wasn't out of the car on that street. No, as soon as he pulled so he over... So just... he didn't know how tall you are. No, that was the other thing. Oh man, this guy would have been shitting shit himself if I. <laughs> yeah, seven ten beast man coming at him. Not seven ten. Get out of here. <laughs> but yeah, hit Sorry, and run my was rant released. Is over. Hit and run was released <laughs> online. Okay. Um. Jeez. Now because of our homework, I kind of skipped over the uh, the uh, EP, and just kind of stuck to the LPs. So yeah, I so apologize. I. I don't have a review for a hit and run, but I'll tell you, do I, I do have a review for a review for Double Cross, which came out uh, in 2011 to celebrate the band's 20th anniversary, and to promote this, Sloan released a series of YouTube videos, which we reference in our first Sloan episode, featuring some well-known personalities discussing their experiences and favorite songs by Sloan. You get chaos. Yeah, I, I watched that. Which so you watched a bunch of them, huh? Well, I watched this like four minute one that had a bunch of them together. Yeah, they're all kind of um, like that. They're all done as sort of montages. Yeah. And what did you learn, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I was, well, I'm not surprised some of those bands who were fans like Rooney and Jason Schwartzman because their sound kind of falls in line with Sloan sound. Yeah. So, uh, but I am surprised that they actually did reach California like that. But uh, it's it's nothing different than what we've been kind of saying this whole time in terms of uh, just how talented they are and their songwriting abilities and everything like that. Just uh, giving the, giving Sloan a nice old handy Western grip style. <laughs> how horribly graphic. Didn't I'm tired. That. No, it's just that's. I mean, it was it was a lovely tribute that they uh, that they all shared, and 
I didn't see anything specifically about the double cross that they mentioned specifically. The one that I watched, they're mainly focusing on smeared and early stuff. But it was still just everything that they were talking about feeds into the double cross. So it it makes sense. Yeah. And I love how they talked to uh, Mr. Stefan Brogan, who, of course, played Snake Simpson on Degrassi High, which uh, we talked about at great lengths in... uh and the other one. Boy, he, he sure could have used Dave a Dave Foley was in the one that I watched. Yeah, Foley's in there too. Yeah. And uh, he talked about, I think the first song, what was it? It was like, Underwhelmed was the first he heard. And he heard it with the rest of the kids while they were writing a sketch. And they all paused and listened to it. It was kind of a cool song. Kind of a cool uh, yeah. visual. Yeah. Anyway, I was going to make a joke about uh, Degrassi High and about how Snake could have used uh, some Sloan. Let's just edit out every mention I had. I had a joke, but it failed. These things happen, I'm shaking Brian. my head. These things happen. <laughs> How am I supposed to follow up uh, all these actors giving Sloan a big handy? Like you said. <laughs> all right, I can't follow that up. It's too funny. I got nothing. Um, no, that's all right. I am the funny one of this bunch. <laughs> You're also known as the one that takes the conversation way off track. Are you making fun of my disability, Ted? <laughs> what disability? Attention deficit disorder? It's a thing. I know it's a thing. I didn't realize you had it. <laughs> I probably do. And that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> um, but getting back to Double Cross, it, re- it was Thank released you. on May 10th of 2010 and had two singles. The opening song, Follow the Leader, was released as an online giveaway track. And the song Unkind, which they shot a music video for, uh, reached number nine on Billboard's Canada Rock Charts. Number 16 on the Canadian Alternative Album Charts. Uh, and Rolling, Rolling Stone Magazine gave this one a write-up. They call the album elegant and classy. Ooh. Uh, Reviews, as usual, were the Sloan Standard. I'm just going to say that from now on instead of like overwhelmingly positive. (laughs) Sloan Standard. And uh, this album was actually long listed for the Polaris Prize in 2011, which that's pretty good. The Polaris Prize Mm -hmm. is kind of like the Canadian standard. It goes, they give you a cash prize as if these bands need it uh, to whoever has the best album that year. And uh, of course, that went to the juggernaut that was The Suburbs by the Arcade Fire. Um, Of course. But you know, that album, it it resonated all over the place. You know, aren't the uh, Wynn brothers, uh, Wynn's the first guy's, the guy's first name, isn't it? Yeah, Butler. It's the Butler Wynn brothers. Butler. That's it, Wynn Butler. The Butler brothers. Aren't they American? They, yeah, they're both from Texas, and then they came up to Montreal. I think they went to Concordia for school, and mm-hmm. then that's where Wynn met the girl in the band, who's, I think, now his wife. And Will just stayed there as well. I think they both still live in Texas, or not Texas, Montreal. Um, I will say this. Will Butler has a solid um, solo album. But I still think over Arcade Fire is a little overrated. Uh, Wynn Butler also has got some game on the basketball court. 
I know. MVP of the All-Star game in Toronto a few years ago, the Celebrity All-Star game. Well, he's a he's, he's a six moves, foot man. four. He's like a Sean Bradley type. He's like six <laughs> foot four, gangly, but he's, he just has a bit more moves than Sean Bradley. There you go. Every every celebrity team needs but, a good center. That's the thing. You you wouldn't expect um, a band like Arcade Fire because you know you, when people think about these kind of artsy fartsy bands, you expect them to just be sitting there in these like small theaters smoking cigarettes watching like Russian snuff films or something like not taking themselves so seriously right but uh, these guys have these have these guys have a good sense of humor they did they a couple do. of random Christmas songs uh, I heard a couple of their Christmas songs they did like the little drummer boy but it's this weird off key like weird song it's it's, it's just very bizarre but yeah, it's do, funny because it's so they, terrible they do have a very good sense of humor about themselves which is always a good thing so I'm sure if they're listening Arcade Fire uh, they won't be offended by the fact that you called suburbs hot garbage or whatever you just said. I didn't call it hot garbage. I just it's. Uh, I said it was a little overrated, but uh, it's just they always steal everyone's thunder. All the Canadian bands they steal all the thunder. I will say when Sloan got burned for that year for Rock Album of the Year, it wasn't by um, the Arcade Fire. It was by the Sheepdogs who beat them with their album Learn and Burn. You got any trash you want to throw on the Sheepdogs now, Brian? <laughs> no, I was listening to it. Although, uh, uh, I will say this: I don't have any trash. But other Brian's uh, ex-girlfriend Nikita, from years ago, uh, she's from okay. Saskatchewan, and she went she went to high school with them and said they were all huge D-bags. So, uh, but that's like a lot of people, uh, like. My buddy Nate and my buddy Jeremy, who I went to college with, they played shows around the St. Catharines area with Alexis on Fire, yeah. and they said they're a bunch of wieners too. So I think it's it could maybe it's just jealousy of these uh, people could getting be. all this uh, attention. I don't know. But Nate said, yeah, my dad uh, was... "Go ahead." Sorry, go ahead. No, you need to finish your train of thought. If I'm interrupting your train of thought, I can chime in later. I can't remember. I think it was Nate said that Dallas Green always smelt terrible. He always had a huge BO problem. Oh, maybe it's the pot. Or it's Who just knows? that hipster kind of like a scenester never showering look about him. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. The scenester well, to, musk. To be fair, my dad went to high school with Martin Short, and he called him a little squirrely guy. I was like, he, I he went to Mac at the guy. same time. No, he was went. Mac he or? went to West Hill High with Marty Short. Mackie was there with uh, Ivan Reitman and Eugene Levy. They were all there right. just at the same time, but they were in totally different okay. departments. So my dad didn't interact with them. He actually hung out with Martin Short a few times, and he thought he was just a little squirrely guy and stuff like that. But my dad, when he became famous, instead of just remembering the squirrely guy from high school, he became a fan of his. In fact, uh, for his birthday not that long ago, we got him tickets to see uh, that Steve Martin show that Mar- Marty Short was putting on. And my dad oh, loved yeah. it. He had, a, he had a blast. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Jealousy can die. Anger can die when you realize people grow out of their high school. Uh, 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 yeah, that's fair. Uh, how I many people do you think would talk shit about us? Oh, from, like from 90% from high of the people we met. There you go. There you go. Those loud <laughs> guys who are into ska. That'd be the description I mean, of us. I still, I still have my ongoing nemesis with Matt Walker. No, I'm kidding. I haven't talked to that guy. I haven't talked to that guy in 20 years. Yeah. Well, if he's listening, Brian didn't apply to a job because he saw that you were the person taking the resumes. So I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> that Ted, we've been over this. <laughs> that actually we've been happened. over this. 
<laughs> I'm incredibly spiteful, even if it's at my own expense. <laughs> you could have had a great job. You just didn't want that hit to the satisfaction of that guy possibly rejecting you. When he probably would have gone, oh, Brian Last, I remember him. I'm going to give him this job. Probably forgot all about whatever stupid beef you guys had. That'd Jeez. be funny if during the interview right. he's just like, you still listen to Lesson Jake? Yeah. Tears up my resume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, he liked Less Than Jake. He tried to use Less Than Jake to bond with you, and you rejected him. Uh, maybe it's because yeah. if you didn't say like, there, like no, you're you like, you like, she's going to break soon. That's not a real Less Than Jake song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he tried to use no, that to find th- common ground with you, and you, you shoved it back yeah, in his face. Ted, I think all those years of drinking are destroying your memory cells because he did not try to bond with me. He said, hey, Brian, have you heard the new Lesson Jake song? They got rid of their horns for their music videos because they sold out. I'm like, fuck you, Walker. They did not sell out. And then we almost fought in the parking lot. Right, right. You, you almost fought him. Here's what it was. He called them <laughs> pop punk because you were trashing every band that he listened to. And then he said, well, what about this new Lesson Jake? It's pop punk. And that's what got you so agitated. How dare you refer to Less Than Jake as pop punk? There's ska punk. Let's fight. That's what it was. Boy, did this episode get off the rails. There you go. That hot Brian last temper. You laugh about it now. But I'll tell you. Being your friend sometimes, that hot temper of yours. I'm going to sit those silent car rides because I said one thing that you took exception to. Oh, yeah. It's not a lot of fun. I'm like that guy in Fresh Prince. What do you mean? Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. So, uh, so Double Cross I thought was cross. pretty good. I thought it was pretty good, but I understand you had a much higher opinion of it than I did. I liked it. I just didn't think it was as good as Parallel Play. Different strokes for different folks. I loved it. I thought they came in really hot with that first song. I loved the uh, the bouncy organ. That I mean, they did the same thing bouncy with Believe o- in Me. With the, yeah. And uh, But then I thought this was a, this was a, great, uh, a great mix of very upbeat, some nice well-crafted lyrical ones that are a little bit slow. Uh, I thought Jay really shined on these on this album a lot. I think, uh, I feel like for a long time it's been the Chris and Pat show, and I felt like this was a great showcase for Jay. Yeah. I, thought, I felt like he got more songs on this album than in, in past, so I thought it was great. Um, but yeah, this is this is very up there for one of my favorites. So Of the, of the, the re- new six, of the new six. Of the new six, okay, that's fair. Um, so yeah, so after the release of this album, what they started to do was they started releasing deluxe sets and vinyls of those first six albums uh, to commemorate the 20th anniversaries of each one when they were coming out. So uh, I don't think they did it for Smeared, but twice removed they did it for. Um, and when they would tour, they would do that whole thing where they'd start the show off by playing, say it's twice removed, track by track, start to finish, and then they come on and do another set where they play some of the other tunes. Um, I've seen Public Enemy do that with you, and I saw Rush do that with you. Uh, you see anybody <laughs> else doing that, and what are your thoughts on that gimmick? Um, no, I know, speaking of Lesson Jake, I was trying to rally the troops to, uh, in the I think it was the 20-year or 15-year anniversary of... 
uh, what was it? Uh, well, they were back to back. It was they were doing these like one night it'd be Hello Rock View, one night it'd be Losing Streak. But we couldn't. They were either sold out or we couldn't just get it together. So. I haven't seen any other ones to my knowledge, but I'm okay with it because there's a reason why that's in demand and people want to hear it because these albums meant so much to so many people that it's, uh, and also, you know, with each passing album, a lot of the time you hear some of these songs less and less. Like I've seen Dropkick yeah, Murphys a, a, a handful of times and they don't even touch their first like three or four albums that I love, they don't even touch those anymore. They might do like one or two songs. It's all uh, like basically stuff from Warriors Code and forward. If that, they, aside from shipping up to Boston, I don't even think they touch anything else off Warriors Code. So um, when they do these albums start to finish, you get to hear stuff that, oh, I haven't heard this since their like first tour or whatever. So it's nice. You know, I see it's funny that you mentioned that because I saw an interview with Jay. And Jay mentioned that that's actually one of the hardest things about doing these shows is that some of these songs they'll have to completely relearn because they just it didn't become a part of their live show and it wasn't that in demand or they've forgotten about it over time. So you have to re-listen to it and totally reacquaint yourself with it, re-identify with it before you can really put on a good performance of it. And uh, it's kind of a big to-do, he says. Well, not only that, but some of these songs, like, they literally learn it for recording it purposes. Like, you know how, like, certain bands have different things. Some bands will jam these songs, go into the recording studio, and knock these out. Other times, you know, these people write the song separately. They come in, they're like, all right, lay down this beat for this song. And so they're kind of, like, learning and working on a beat. They record it, and then it's done. They're like, all right, now we got to figure out how to play this live for the following tour. So it's, like, literally all getting hashed out at the same time. It's, like, so it's very interesting, the the music-making process. Sloan's got to kind of be the exception to that rule because, remember, they worked with Rothrock there, and they worked with Pulliam um, as their producers. But aside from that, they produced their own stuff. Yeah. And so that has to be something where there wasn't too much interference in the studio where the producer kind of makes it a different song um, and they can just kind of learn it together and right. play it together. So that's something where you have this tight unit of four guys in a band. It, 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 it makes it easier for these anniversaries when those come along. The uh, other one, thing, sorry, one last one last thing I'll say about the, you know, the complete album thing and then we'll move on. Um I'm okay with bands doing it if they are still, like Sloan, still productive, cranking out great music. Just like when Les and Jake was doing it, they're still cranking out music. If literally you're a band that's basically saying, those other four guys can go fuck themselves until it's time to do one of these gimmick tours, and that's like that's all they do, you know what I mean? Yeah. They crank, oh, it's been 20 years since this album, 25 years since that album, and yeah. then they, they reunite just to make some cash. I they'd be like, yeah, go fuck yourself. But if if it's just like, oh, we're, we've been touring so much, holy shit, it's been twenty years since one chord. That's great. That you should honor that because that was also a landmark album too. So, but uh, I see your point. Yeah, those those are my two sides of that whole issue. All right. Well, I, I put this one into the hidden gem category. I didn't listen to all thirteen of these, but I listened to a few of them. Um, they released thirteen downloadable tracks and seven-inch vinyl singles in 2013 inspired by the hardcore punk scene of the 1970s um it includes covers of minor threat the descendants and black flag i listened to a few of them not only are they awesome not only is it because we're <laughs> punk guys uh that's hearing sloan playing punk 
but it's Sloan playing punk Sloan's way. And yeah. it's a great hidden gem. You have to go onto YouTube. They're not on Spotify. You got to type in the name and everything like that. And there'll be videos of someone putting the vinyl on and you can hear it. And it's awesome. So kind of an unofficial uh, 13th album. Lucky th- number 13, if you will. All right, with their 2014 release, Commonwealth, Sloan elected to do something completely new. Now, do you remember when you asked me, was um, the 30 track? Why do I, I can never remember the name of this album? Hold on. Um, oh, God. Never hear the end of it. I'm never going to hear the end of uh, not being able to remember that title. <laughs> you remember you asked me earlier in the podcast if never hear the end of it was like their pet sounds or their white album or that mm-hmm. penultimate album. I would say the 2014's Commonwealth was that album for them. That's fair. It's very outside the box thinking. Yeah. It's also it's a big swing because it's they can't they're all being released under the name Sloan. It's not this is Jay Ferguson, this is Chris Murphy, this is Pat Pentland. Um, you know what I mean? So if if someone's side is lacking, it's uh it could drag the whole, you know, the band back. But so luckily they all came yeah. in strong with some good material. Well, to, to to give a little insight on what Brian was talking about, this double album was divided into four sides. So it's like if you put up two vinyls, you flip them over each side. Each member yep. did their own side. So Jay Ferguson kicked it off with the Diamond Suite. Chris Murphy comes in next with the heart suite. Patrick Pentland helms the shamrock seat suite, and it's wrapped up by Andrew Scott's spade suite, which just consists of one 18-minute track, which when touring for this album, Sloan would open with, just to give the audience a what oh, really? the fuck moment. They would open with that 18-minute awesome. song. <laughs> Yeah. You know what's funny is because we're recording this on the Saturday, so all the all the Instagram stuff that I'll be dropping, uh, people would have already seen who follow follow us on the Instagram at CanFM, please. Um, I'm dropping. They did an EPK, like a little behind the scenes thing where they talk about this, and mm-hmm. they're like, "Yeah, we're each taking a side," which means you each have like three or four songs. And then Pat, um, Andrew starts rubbing his head, or you could do one song. And they're like, and everyone starts laughing in the background. He's just like, yeah, that's what I did. That was a, <laughs> that was a bad move. <laughs> you know what, though? Then, it, it, Tested Time has been the most talked about side on the album. Oh, yeah. It's very ambitious. They get asked very, about that all the time. That the, 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 I'm talking about the Patrick Pen, uh, not Patrick Penland, the uh, Andrew Scott yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. That's the one that everyone talked about co- going away from this. Well, with good reason. Like the other sides are, you know, they're quality Sloan rock. Nothing to uh, take away from it, but it's, you know, standard stuff. They each have their few songs and they're great. But this one is just everything bleeds into it. And it's, I can't, <laughs> I forgot that that's what he did. So when I kept looking at my uh, thing, I was like, what song? Oh, it's still, <laughs> I forgot. It's 40, <laughs> 48 portraits. I was like, it's got different sake, chapters within it, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest with you about Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Didn't work for me. No? No. And remember, my Sloan standard is extremely high. So, yeah, the, these songs are still good and everything like that. Um, it was, I think, the concept that lost me. Because I found myself losing interest in this album uh, by the end of the Murphy section. Like, mm. it, it just, I think just having them do their own little section. I like not knowing who it's going to be next. <laughs> 
I like yeah. hearing Chris sing a line in a J song. You know what I mean? I like that stuff. Having it all separated just... It's part of the gimmick I like that's not there. Well, I think the other thing, too, is... You know, when we talked about Navy Blues and Between the Bridges, that's when you started to really have them come together as this big cohesive unit. And it's only been building since then, where they're all really coming together, gelling well. I think all that good work kind of got stripped apart, where it's it's very... It almost felt like instead of each us taking an extra few years off to do our own solo albums, we're going to do this instead. And, um, like, even in that... the clip that i'm going to drop on the instagram they're talking about the the interviewers asking chris what's the delay he's like i've been done since like 2013 i don't know what everyone else is bitching about so it's like even like right there it's like all these yeah. guys are, are like what are they doing like over andrew scott's shoulder while he's trying to write lyrics like tapping their friggin watches like it just it felt very dis it's very disjointed but i still enjoyed it obviously like well, yeah, you, like I, I still enjoyed it too. Like I'm not saying by any means is this a bad album. I don't think it's bad at all. It's just yeah. we talked about the slow and standard, right? Which is very yeah. high. You know, you'll take another band like God. Who do I? Uh, the uh, the default standard, Canadian band default. <laughs> uh, that standard was much lower. All right, so probably the worst song would be like very by Sloan would still be like, hey, that's an excellent default song. You know what I mean? Even if it's Sloan's worst song. Well didn't, yeah, didn't I don't we like talk default. about this on uh, uh, didn't we talk about this on a recent album? Uh, no, it was uh, it was or on the uh, the Ill Scarlet episode. Because they had come off a really crappy album that we hated, they did the follow up that was so much better just because the other one was just hot, such hot garbage. It felt like so much better, like such a return to form. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're, 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 you want them to succeed when yeah. they've already succeeded and you, you can't get much better. You, you're, you're way up here and you want to keep building and building or at least continue that same platform without going stale. It's a very hard thing to do. That's why they say yeah, success me, can be some people's worst nightmares. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the thing. Let imagine me let me if, just imagine quickly imagine this podcast. Imagine this podcast got picked up like on national CBC radio. We got great reviews, and some dickhead after we've done three hundred episodes goes, "You know what? Three hundred one, just same old stuff." You and I would become <laughs> paranoid, and we freak out and have panic attacks, trying to up our game, and we'd probably lose all semblance of whatever those first three hundred episodes were that worked. Because the standard has been set very high. This is a very egomaniacal comparison I'm making. I'm well aware of this. I can only imagine that being tough. Teddy. <laughs> I can only imagine that being a tough thing to do to keep churning out that high standard of uh, of album. Yeah, it's it's you know it's it's no different than like an A plus student. It's like just let me slack once. Let me get one B. Please, they yeah. just snap under the pressure. But uh, to to be fair, like when I was making fun of Ill Scarlet, saying that one album was hot garbage, I'm not saying that Commonwealth is hot garbage at all. It just it's a just not. And also, like I was so hyped about Double Cross, so it's it just for me, it wasn't quite up. To, like you said, the Sloan standard. It's not. It's yeah. nothing against it. It just uh, now, it, it'd be one that I wouldn't return to as much. If That's I were all. to go into my Spotify and bring up Commonwealth and say put it on random for that album, 
I probably enjoy it a lot more. For sure. Because also, then I don't know what's coming next. Instead of it being, all right, I got five Jave songs, it's five Chris songs, it's six Pat songs, and that long Andrew Scott song. <laughs> you know, instead of it being like that. I love how everyone else gets the one name and he's always Andrew Scott. Have you noticed that? Like sometimes we'll talk about Chris. We'll say Chris or Pat or Jay, but then it's always Andrew Scott. Well, Andrews, Andrews are kind of like Michaels. You know what I mean? You're not just Mike. You're Mike and your last name, or you're just your last name. Or maybe you're Mike D. That's true. We always say boys. You know what I mean? The Andrews are also kind of like last name guys, or they're Andys. Yeah. Our buddy Mike, we always say his full name. We're always like, Mike Campbell. He's Campbell. Whenever we're referring to Campbell on this show, it's not Campbell Scott, the actor. It's Mike Campbell. Yeah. Who the fuck is Campbell Scott? Campbell Scott, he's a well-renowned actor. He was in uh, the Amazing Spider-Man movies. He played uh, Peter Parker's dad. Um, look him um, up. Campbell Scott, he's been in a ton of stuff. Wait, which? Are you talking about in the Andrew Garfield ones? The Garfield ones, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Either way. Um, you know, Campbell one thing Scott. that I realized, I'm going to have to go back and uh, either rebuy, well, not not rebuy the ones I already have, but if I want to pick up my own copy of the Double Cross, I'll be doing myself much more of a service. Same thing with the other ones, because have you noticed listening to these on Spotify? Because they've been doing this thing where they all the songs bleed into each other the last 10, 20 years. Yes. That on Spotify, it's very jarring and it's very annoying. You know what? I was listening to a lot of these albums on YouTube, and you get ads in oh. between. And then when the ad ends, you hear the oh, the last track picking up into the next <laughs> track. It feels like an interrupted experience. I know what you're talking about. So I'll say I'll um, say this to anyone: get the vinyls, get the CDs, get whatever. Listen to the physical copy as it was meant, because Spotify does not do these great albums justice because they specifically make a point of taking these extra little production techniques by blending them and stuff, and to have it just go like, stop, skip to the next one. It's very jarring. Yeah. Well, it's all about the experience, right? And that's yeah. the thing that Sloan gets. That is kind of a lost art nowadays, is when you have an, an album, it's creating an experience for the first track to the last track and going through a journey. And you should feel a certain way at the end. And uh, yeah. very few bands understand that nowadays, but Sloan does. Um, I should also mention, I haven't got to mention this yet, and I don't know how I missed this because this is a show I would love to see. Chris mm. Murphy around this time joined a super group called the Trans Canada Highwaymen. It was him, uh, Craig Northey of The Odds, Mo Berg oh, yeah. of The Pursuit of Happiness, and Steve Page from Bare Naked Ladies. Oh, wow. And they go up there and they would just play their songs. And how the heck did I miss? I would have loved to have gone seen something like that. That'd be so sweet. Oh, man. So I got to go on YouTube now and try to find some Trans-Canada Highwaymen show to check out. That might be <laughs> something we save for our next episode, which we'll get into in just a little bit. Um, what our ultimate Canadian supergroup would look like. Be interesting. Ooh, that'd be All a good right. off topic. It would be a great off topic. Uh, 2018 came around. and This is Sloan's most recent album, their 12th album, aptly titled 12. And guess what, Brian? Canadian's 12 tracks. Can you imagine that? <laughs> and it only took 26 years. But uh, this album kind of connected in the States. It did okay there. 
It reached number 29 on Billboard's Independent Albums chart and number 11 on the Heat Seekers chart. So not just the Heat Seekers chart, they went beyond that border. And of course, up here, it got to number 44. So you could argue it actually did better in the States than it did up here. Um, only had one single, Spin Our Wheels, which was released as the album's lone single. I already said that. Boy, I'm reading over my stuff more than once. Uh, and <laughs> once again, it played very well critically, with even a few critics admonishing American listeners for not picking up on Sloan earlier. I was feeling ill from sitting still, so sick of my routine in a bunker. I read that on, I think it was all music. I read that review and I was like, oh, oh, it's very, you know what? Cue the dashboard confessional because they have been vindicated. <laughs> but thank you, U.S. Uh, listeners for not being an onslaught because we couldn't have done an episode on them had they been this huge. And this has been start to finish one of the best musical experiences I've had doing Canada FM. You know, Ted, I'm sure Sloan is sitting there. I'm sure they have lovely homes and everything, but they're probably sitting there like, hey, I would have much rather have connected with U.S. markets uh, much sooner, made much more money. Screw these two jerk-offs on their little podcast. <laughs> I don't think that they don't. You know what? Their rep, them doing things their way, if they had to compromise it all to break through to the U.S., they wouldn't have done it. And to hear you and me, That's true. two guys in their mid-30s, share four hours worth of material about how much they love Sloan and kissing their ass for two episodes. Sure, they love that. <laughs> Who doesn't? As you say, give them an old handy. Yeah. <laughs> Western grip. <laughs> What'd you think of 12? Uh, so what's... Okay, I was just about to ask you the same thing. I loved it. Um, <laughs> the songs, I mean... The I love spinner wheels. Uh, right to Rome, I really liked. Right to Rome, path to pavilion, follow the light. Should you sail away? And the the last handful of tracks, I, I really loved. Um, what was it? Lion Chair, Wish Upon a Satellite, and Forty Four Teenagers. I thought they ended the album super strong. But uh, no, I another. And this goes back to the video, the Pat and Chris interview I was telling you about. They're like, it's nice that we're getting this Lifetime Achievement Award, but we're not done. We got a yeah. lot of songs left to sing. And actually, Pat brings up this point. They're like, you know, because we have so much material we haven't released yet, um, and we there's a lot of like cast-offs from previous albums, we all only have to bring about 1.5 songs to the table <laughs> for each new album. So uh, so they're like, there's no like, there's no reason we can't keep up this productivity as long as they want to. As long as they're still yeah. passionate and they keep bringing the, the heat, uh, which they keep doing with each album. They have not phoned in a single album. It's a very impressive. I'll say this about Canadian. Canada FM. Canadian FM. Ugh. Last couple episodes have been pretty easy to figure out why certain bands didn't make it big in the States. You know, like with, with the Moffats and the Philosopher Kings, it's because they kind of fell more into producing. Um, we had our reasons for Trouble Charger, why they didn't make it big, of course. You know, um, the, the producer thing was the same with the Paolas. Uh, Il Scarlet's still going. They might make it big down there one day. We don't know. Why not Sloan? I, I, I know we talked about they probably don't care. They did things their way. Nonetheless, though, like 
this is better than so much stuff from Canada that made it big in the States. And it's just as commercially attractive. Why not Sloan? I've, I've been racking my brain all day thinking about this to try to have an answer. And I'm, I mean, we also don't know what, I mean, well, I guess obviously we have an idea of what the album sales were like down there based on how, how well these albums charted or not charted. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Sloan could be one of those bands like, you know, we're big fans of the Gaslight Anthem and yeah. stuff like that, where they're, they're bands where they get the, the critical praise they, they're bands, bands, so a lot of their, their uh, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Cohorts? Colleagues? The, yeah, the uh, peers. Contemporaries. Peers. Contemporaries, yeah. Yeah, contemporaries um, too. I'll give them nothing but praise, and fortunate enough that uh, some of these guys, like Jason uh, Schwartzman, and um, the dude from Rooney, and uh, I think there's a few other American bands. They even interviewed in a, a critic from Pitchfork Media in that video. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and um, I think the other thing too is, you know, as talented as all these guys are, their personalities lend themselves to big fish, small pond. That is Canada. I don't know how well these guys would fare in. Uh, to be on a big stage like the Foo Fighters and stuff, if they cra- not only do they not crave that, but uh, I think I don't know. I think they just have their pocket and they like to shoot for that, and they're okay with it. Like um, I saw I, this I interview with that. Andrew Scott. I, I, I see what you mean, and I don't think they have any regrets about it. But you, you mentioned the Foo Fighters right there. Okay, color and the sound probably like the Foo Fighters had the advent of Dave Grohl being in Nirvana. So that got them that, yeah. that extra push. I get it. Foo Fighters is a bad example. What about a band like Weezer? And this is no disrespect to Weezer whatsoever. I love Weezer. Would you say Weezer is any better than Sloan? No. Weezer, I have not paid attention to Weezer in so long I, because they're... the same way. I'd they, say Sloan's a lot better than Weezer. Yeah. Is, is Weezer any more commercially friendly than Sloan? Maybe recently. How are they successful in the States and Sloan isn't? I think, I mean, part of it is maybe their brief foray into on the indie music circuit, on the indie roots. Maybe they, they took away some of their best years where they could have had mainstream success. Uh, because you got to remember, you got to remember, the music landscape changed so much Um in the last 10 years, 15 years that I think the, the time for them to strike while the iron was hot was the late nineties, early two thousands. And I know by the time they got back on that, uh, Sony BMI, like the major was the early, like what early two thousands Oh three. So, I mean, they still could have picked it back yeah. up, but I think if, if they put out Navy blues and between the bridges on Geffen or, if they had found a major label in the States, I don't think we'd be talking about them right now because I think those albums would have exploded. But, but it's all about... Geffen wanted them to do their thing. They didn't want Sloan to do Sloan's thing. And they definitely made the right decision to leave. <sighs> yeah, oh, 100%. You know what? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it's a chicken and the egg thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
listen um, to your label will s- and get promotion or do your own thing. Be successful here because you got the talent to do it, but you don't get that promotion. I think that's what it is. Fuck by I the did label. have one. I did have one last rant that I did want to think, and this is, I mean, obviously still Sloan has been a very uh, influential, supportive, or uh, one of the big staples of the Canadian, oh, fuck, I just poked myself in the nipple. Um, he's talking hand about hand jobs, and now he's that. talking about nipples. Yeah, yeah, easy there, Lenny no, Bruce. I was hand- you're getting so blue. Shut up. I'm the one wearing the red fox shirt, and you're talking, <laughs> you're talking the same smut he does. No, really I was hand it. gesturing. My, th- I, I was hand gesturing, and I poked myself right in the nipple. It hurt. I don't Brian, even know Brian how that the, happened. Right with the sensitive nipples. You know what, Ted? <laughs> what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I'm all the way in Thunder Bay. You're in Hamilton. What are you gonna do? You're, what are you gonna do, Brian? Away. I'm 14 hours I'll away. You, you can't do shit. I'll send you a picture of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, let me finish my thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, one other thing is that I felt like Sloan has always just been underappreciated. Like, we love them here, but, you know, they've always been in the shadow of bands like the Tragically Hip. You know, this this whole, maybe I'm just high on the Sloan hog right now, but this whole experience has made me want to go through the Hips albums track by track and see if they're actually worthy of all that hype. Or if, if Sloan actually is better, or if the Tragic Hips, you know, is as good as everyone feels. Like, Gord Downey takes a shit, and everyone thinks it's, uh... I mean, rest in peace. I love Gord Downey. Great showman, great front man. But, uh, you know, is is all that hype justified on the Tragically Hip and how much money they've made? They've made ridiculous money for just being in Canada. But they, I feel like they've always been in their shadow. And then, uh, you know, all these indie bands that kind of blew up like the Arcade Fire, they've been in their shadow. And then as the musical landscape changed in this country, you know, they were in Bieber and Drake's shadow. <laughs> and so it's like they've just never found this, the time where they could be up front and be the one and only leading the charge. Um and yeah, I got nothing. That's I, I'm all tapped. Right. I, I'm all out. Well, some of these are just going to end in mysteries, but I can say that going through all the Sloan albums was an absolute joy. And uh, we'll definitely talk whenever that thirteenth album comes out. Me and Brian will do something about that and uh, go over yep. it track by track. Okay, we've re- reached the end of season one. This is it. Season one is over. Um, Brian and I don't hate each other. Uh, this has not become a tax a taxing chore. Uh, so we're going to do a season two. And hopefully that goes just as well. Um, the full landscape of bands has been decided upon. I'll reveal that when we do our next episode. So we're going to... Uh, we're not really going to take any weeks off in between. We're going to do kind of a show in review. Um episode season in review where we kind of make our own little playlist from the uh, albums we listen to and uh, what tracks stand out if you want to kind of have a companion piece to go with the first season and uh, then I I stole this idea uh, from this podcast my wife listens to that's done by this guy named Griffin McElroy called Wonderful where Brian and I are just gonna it's not quite gonna be an off topic because it's gonna be about Canadian music just the three things about Canadian music scene we think are wonderful that uh we couldn't normally talk about on a Canada FM. And there might be an off topic here or there, but we will come in strong uh, with the second season by the end of July, I would think. And uh, 
We got a doozy to kick it off. Brian spoiled it at the beginning. But the first episode of season two is going to be Blue Rodeo. Hey, Brian, you thought 12 albums was a lot. 15 for Blue Rodeo. <laughs> so much listening. So much country. Albums. I'm out of my element. It's not. It's, it's rock, though. It really is. It, yeah, there's, there's heavy country influence, but it's mainly rock. And they're one of Canada's biggest right. bands. They've sold so much up here. Why didn't they sell or break into that Nashville scene? We'll find out when season two hits of Canada F. Yeah. M. Uh, <laughs> don't know what I was doing. There. What's that? You're trailing off. I said, I did. I, when season two begins of Canada <laughs> FM. Until then, uh, Stan and Brian. Yes, sir. We'll see you next week when we uh, unveil our playlist. Yes. <laughs> I did like how the last one ended. Uh, <laughs> and then we just kind of joked around. Yeah. Just faded out. That was good. That was good.